Welcome to the Holiday Podcast, where we sit over some freshly baked challah bread every Friday afternoon. I'm your host, Tammy Priest, and it's great to be with you today as we take another look at the intersection of the old and the new. So, I don't know if you're like me, but sometimes when I look at the newspaper in the morning, I love to see what happened on this day in history, especially when I want to distract myself from some of the heavier news going on. So today apparently is the anniversary of when Benjamin Franklin wrote, nothing is certain but death and taxes back in 1789. You also might find it interesting as we're all getting ready for holiday cooking that the first shipment of canned pineapple left Hawaii in 1895. And on this day in 1956, the Supreme Court finally struck down segregation on our nation's buses. But something really caught my attention this week as I was reading my emails from one of the Jewish organizations that I follow. So on this Shabbat, this Sabbath, back in the year 2104 BC, the earth dried out from the flood. I don't know why, but that really uh, struck me. I guess I'd never thought about this day in history going all the way back that far. And I started thinking about how one of the major themes throughout the Old Testament is to remember, um, to remember the Exodus, remember God's mighty arm rescuing them from Egypt, um, to remember all the things he's done, um, and to remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy, which is what holiday uh, is all about, right? Hala on Shabbat Sabbath. So I thought it would be good today on this 4,124th anniversary of the earth drying out to remember that day. So the flood, all of our children's storybooks, like the sweet devotional that my in-laws, who I absolutely love, I have the best in-laws in the world, um, so they gave our now 20-year-old uh, this when he was born. Um, and so all these children's books, they show these peaceful, happy images of what things were like on the ark. I'm sure the reality is that it was loud and smelly and contentious at times. And we sing about the rain coming down for 40 days, but the whole story is that even after it stopped raining, the eight people in Noah's family and all the animals were still stuck on the ark. In fact, when you look at the Genesis account of the flood, you discover that they were on that ark for over a year, 370 days. So the timeline of the flood is so much bigger than we usually talk about. And I'm not really sure why we do that because the full picture only makes what really happened that much more impressive. But it does seem to be our human tendency to try to contain God in more manageable boxes. Now we wrap those boxes beautifully, but it means that we've left most of the gift unopened. And I personally think a lot of that is wrapped up in fear because if we unleash um, all that God is and all that he's done, then we see all that he's capable of doing in our own lives, my life. And as much as we or I say that we trust him, I think that a lot of times we'd rather that he not rock the boat, so to speak, 
um, or break things loose. Um, unless of course we're in a bad spot and we need things shaken up a bit. Um, sorry, I, I know that's not where I was supposed to be heading, so sorry for the rabbit trail. But anyway, back to the flood and the anniversary of the dry ground. But of course, to get to the dry ground, we do have to have the flood. So let's back up 370 days to when Noah finished the ark. So in Genesis 6, God tells Noah to waterproof the ark by covering it with pitch or tar. And he uses a really unorthodox word here. Um, actually, the word isn't unorthodox, but using it in this way is. English translations say that God's instructions were to cover the ark, but this isn't the usual word for cover, which is kasar. The word God uses here is kafar, um, which sounds similar, but looks a lot different. And because of the way God uses it here, I think you'll see how the ark and the flood are a picture, um, a foreshadowing of the cross, which God had already planned even way back then. So um, according to Strong's Concordance, kafar is used 104 times in the Old Testament. In every single case, it refers to an atonement offering or an offering of appeasement or pardon except here in Genesis 6. Throughout Leviticus, the priests make atonement for people, kafar. Um, in Isaiah 6, the angel uh, purges the sin from Isaiah's mouth with the burning coal. That's kafar. Um, in Genesis, Jacob sends this huge caravan of gifts ahead of him for Esau to appease his brother's vengeance, um, appease kafar. Um, but for this one time, Kafar refers to something else, to covering Noah's Ark with tar, uh, making it watertight. Nothing was getting in. Um, so as water broke loose on the earth for the very first time, drowning and destroying everything in its path, this covering protected everyone inside the Ark from death. God's anger through the flood was appeased. Sin was purged from the earth and people within the cover were protected as the rest of the earth was offered up, which is exactly what Jesus' sacrifice does for us. When Jesus offered himself on the cross, his blood became our atoning cover. His offering purges us of our sin in the eyes of God. Um, the destruction that was coming our way fell on him instead as he spread out his arms to cover us. Our refuge, as the psalmist says, um, under his sheltering wings. Jesus's kafar, his covering on our behalf is waterproof, <laughs> it's sin-proof. Um, just like that ark, covered in tar, protected and delivered everyone on board, through 370 days of flooding and fear. Um, we can't overlook the fact that there was a lot of fear. Um, the Genesis flood wasn't a sweet baby board book moment. Um, the flood wasn't just a steady rain that lasted for a long time. Scripture describes it with this phrase, um, something like all the fountains of the great deep burst open and the windows of the heavens uh, were opened. Um, 
it was like this massive deluge and this seismic rupturing happening at the same time. And when we picture it like that, it really must have been horrifying to experience and also to know what was happening to everyone left behind. And they had a long time, a year, to process all of that, um, to grieve, to heal, and also to look forward. And then um, on this day, 4,124 years ago, this is what happened um, as recorded in um, Genesis 8, sorry. Um, starting in verse uh, 13. Sorry, I'm using technology today. In the 601st year, in the first month, on the first day of the month, the water that had covered the earth was dried up. Then Noah removed the ark's cover and saw that the surface of the ground was drying. By the 27th day of the second month, the earth was dry. Okay, side note, that means it took about two months for the ground to go from the floodwaters being completely gone to the ground actually being dry. That's a lot of water to get rid of. Um, okay, so back to the text. Then God spoke to Noah, come out of the ark, you, your wife, your sons, and your sons' wives with you. Bring out all the living creatures that are with you, birds, livestock, those that crawl on the ground, and they will spread over the earth and be fruitful and multiply on the earth. So today is the anniversary of that day. And you might have noticed that this passage about this day in history uh, sounds a lot like a summary of the creation account. God tells Noah to come out with all of the living things, except obviously the sea creatures, in the same order that he had created them in the first place, birds, uh, livestock, and creatures that crawl on the ground. And as their feet hit dry ground for the first time in more than a year, God told them to be fruitful and multiply. So the powerful picture here is that after the destruction of the flood, the deconstruction of creation, God began recreating. And I found this to be a great reminder for seasons when it feels like we're being deconstructed, I'm being deconstructed. It could be a health crisis, a marital crisis, an employment crisis, or um, parenting, or even the season of pandemic um, that we're living through right now. Um, whatever it is, uh, when it feels like we're being deconstructed, we know that God has a recreation in mind, a recreation that will be even better than before. Because no matter what we're going through, God is at work creating and recreating us. And ultimately, he'll recreate us fully for eternity. We started out today um, talking about the importance, um, the value of remembering. And so as we remember on this Sabbath day, uh, specifically this Sabbath day that's the anniversary of the dry ground, um, I pray that we'll each remember all that God has done to cover us, to rescue us, 
And to remember that in these seasons, when we feel like we're being deconstructed, um, that a greater reconstruction, a recreation is coming. And to step out in faith onto that sure, dry ground that God has prepared. I don't know what that looks like for you uh, today, but whatever it is, I hope that you'll take the Sabbath to rest and to ponder what God may be doing through this time of deconstruction in your life or in the life of someone you love. And not a fleeting thought, but to ponder it for a while. I mean, remember, Noah's family was on that ark for more than a year. So ponder. And as you ponder um, and grieve and look toward healing in whatever ways that might be, remember that he is faithful and that he is good and that behold, he is making all things new. I do look forward to being with you again next week. And for today, this dry ground remembrance holiday, I wish you good rest.